1: of this quaint town of Crestfall, Idaho, and this is Death by Dying. These days, my apartment feels like a strange and lonely corner of the world. The pickled frogs and stuffed squirrels on my shelves seemed to silently judge me as I poured myself yet another amber cognac all the way to the rim of the glass. My Egyptian silk tie hung on the hook of my armoire. The top button of my burgundy dress shirt was unbuttoned, displaying an amount of exposed collarbone I would only reveal in the privacy of my own home. I glared at the one who glares. <coughs> he meowed softly and glared back. We reveled in the activity of glaring for a moment. What are you glaring at? I asked. <coughs> Living with cats is like having roommates who either utterly despise you or love you to death, but you aren't entirely sure which. <coughs> And when you live with three man-eating cats, hatred and love start to seem equally threatening. Sometimes, I wake up to them licking my face. Is it a gesture of affection? Or are they sampling me in case one day I decide to sleep in? Who knows? Who knows? For better or for worse, their personalities are beginning to present themselves. The one who hunts, has decided she is the leader of the pack and stalks the night in search of recently deceased townsfolk who have yet to be discovered by Crestfall law enforcement. The one who glares sits on my balcony and hisses at passersby. Some of his hisses are starting to sound strikingly like words. And the one who sulks has declared she is going vegan. We shall see how long that one lasts. I turned my attention to the jam jar on my shelf. Inside was a heart, a human heart, a heart still beating and coursing with blood. The heart of Charlotte Dawson. Somehow, some way, this was my ticket to bring Charlotte back to life. I unearthed her body. I have her heart, but I still need to find her spirit before I can truly bring her back. Wherever could her soul be hiding? I closed my eyes and listened to the steady beat. Funny how one heart can break another. In an oak wood drawer, buried beneath my Sunday afternoon hosiery, is the draft of Charlotte Dawson's obituary, unpublished. As far as anyone knows, she was just a girl who got lost in the woods and couldn't find her way out until it was too late. And in a way, that was true. I downed the rest of my cognac. Pardon? Despite my state of inebriation and intoxicating sorrow, I rebuttoned my burgundy dress shirt and guided a new tie to my collar with the ease of a seasoned pilot landing a plane on the world's narrowest runway. I donned my finest tweed jacket and ran a comb through my perfectly coiffed hair. It is time for me to write a new obituary. May Lau, 63, passed away peacefully in the night after burning to death in a fire that destroyed her entire home. She was the owner and head chef at Lau's Chinese Cuisine, where the food is flawlessly crafted into what can only be described as a party for the taste buds. May lived and died above the restaurant with a view over Birdbiddle Lake and the wharf that curves along the shoreline. May was kind, but stubborn. Her extensive vocabulary was more than highly proficient at knowing more curse words than most people learn in a lifetime. She wanted everyone to please note her change of address, now behind the Church of Right Here Right Now, two graves down from her mother's. She is survived by her next of kin, Fenlao, who said of their mother,
2: It's for the best, she died in a fire. She always wanted to be cremated. My grandmother was Buddhist, my mother was Christian, and I'm an atheist. She figured if my grandmother was right, she would overcome suffering. If she was right, she would be rewarded for suffering. And if I was right, she would make a good mantle decoration.
1: I sat with Fen in the middle of the now blackened and still slightly smoldering Lao's Chinese cuisine. They claimed they were down by the docks working on their art the night their mother passed but something seemed off Finn was guarded and aloof but I wasn't sure why Were you and your mother close
2: If by close you mean in proximity then yes I lived in very close quarters with her my entire life. If by close you mean emotionally, then no. I lived in very close quarters with her my entire life.
1: You don't seem particularly bothered by her death.
2: She bothered me enough when she was alive. She wanted me to be just like her. I don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: Hmm. Seems pretty convenient. You weren't here when the fire happened.
2: Weren't you the one who found that girl in the dark woods? What was her name? Charlotte? Charlotte Dawson?
1: Yes. Yes, I was. But I don't see how any of this has to do with- And
2: what did you say happened again?
1: She got lost. She died before she could find her way out.
2: Find a lot of dead bodies in the woods? Do you Obituary writer? I suppose I'll just have to take your word that you weren't there when Charlotte died. Just the same as you'll have to take my word that I wasn't here when my mother died. Sound good?
1: I nodded the slightest of nods.
2: Good. My lawyer has advised me not to say more.
1: Your lawyer?
2: That would be me.
1: From the shadows emerged a flock of jagged blue hair a torn leather jacket, and a pair of eyes that made you feel as though you were being an idiot in a way that couldn't be remedied. It was Mia Jasper, the criminal law student, who also lived above Lao's Chinese cuisine before the untimely fire. I may have accused her of murdering someone a while back. Perhaps she doesn't remember.
3: You think I killed this lady too?
1: Okay, maybe she remembers. So... You passed the bar exam. Obviously. Congratulations.
3: Yeah, thanks. I'm a genius, apparently. Anyway, don't talk to my client. Figure something else out. We got to go over their mom's last will and testament, and it's testing my last will to get it done. Come on, Fen.
1: Just like that, Mia walked away with my only lead, guiding them to the back office. Surely the fire wasn't an accident. Not completely. Even mistakes begin with intentions, whether they be good or bad. Good intentions can just as easily result in disaster. Like offering a guest coffee and spilling it all over their cashmere sweater. Or giving a tourist directions and watching helplessly as they walk into a wood chipper. Ah! Or trying to be a good friend and tearing their heart out. Something or someone had to spark the flame. I tugged at the scarf around my neck. Nothing like no clues to make an obituary writer sweat. How do you solve a potential murder when you can't even speak to your one and only suspect? Eavesdropping while lurking in alleyways is always a perfect alternative to socializing. It is, after all, my preferred way to attend parties. Down the alleyway, behind Lao's Chinese cuisine, I counted the windows of the ground floor. One, two,
4: three.
1: Right to the back office an unidentifiable heap below the cracked window gave me just enough of a boost to peer inside.
2: Thank you for taking care of all this, Mia. Of course. I know my mother
3: was particular. Her will was a seven part memoir.
2: Yes, she had me write the advanced praise.
3: Then I'm sure you're aware of her Final
2: wishes. That I inherit the family business?
3: Yeah, she might have mentioned it. Right. So it'll just take a few signatures to transfer everything. Then we can start on how this fire happened in the first place, in case we have grounds for a lawsuit. Mia,
2: I'm not really interested in the business. And I'm even less interested in how it burned down. I'm just looking to collect the insurance money.
3: Fen. I lost everything in that fire, too. I understand, but...
5: Ah!
1: Ah! <laughs> Ow! It was at this moment that the unidentifiable heap that I had mounted for a better view came to life.
5: No stepping on the wild man. Wild man is not for stepping on. Except on Tuesdays at normal business hours. And no solicitors. Ah!
1: My apologies, Mr. Wild Man. I thought you were an unidentifiable heap.
5: Oh. Why, thank you. <laughs> now scram a lamb, okay? I'm trying to become a perfect human sphere.
1: I'm simply investigating the fire that happened recently. The fire? Oh. Then then human sphere can wait. The wild man quickly unfurled and stood alert on all fours.
5: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Wild man knows. Oh, the big flamey burn. Writer of obituaries. Come. Closer. Closer. Even. Closer.
1: So close. We were touching Gnosis. The wailing. Wharf. Widow.
5: Eight feet tall. The chilling spectre. The love. Of my life. She haunts these cursed shores. Makes things go boom without lifting a finger. No match. No dynamite. No nothing. Just fire.
1: Are you talking about a spontaneously combusting ghost? Hey. Ugh. Ah! <sighs> Mia.
3: You lost, dead brain?
1: Mia Jasper leered at me from the window.
3: No, I was merely... Well, if you aren't lost now, go get lost.
1: I looked down to discover the wild man had turned back into a near-perfect sphere and was no longer perceptible as human. I needed to ground myself. I needed to return to the warm, cozy blanket of cold, hard facts. There was only one meat-grinding corpse expert to go to in times like these.
5: Ah, you smell that? That's the smell of death right there. Yep, she is definitely dead.
1: Wow, real dead. The local butcher, who also happens to be the town coroner, stood in the back of his butchery where he performs his secret autopsies. The charred remains of Mei Lau were sprawled on a metal table. She looked like an overdone piece of toast. At any second she could collapse into dust. Small slithers of glowing embers ran up and down her arms and across her face. Her mouth was wide, a scream frozen by fire. The butcher seemed content. He was in his element, a master of chopping meats and solving crime in the streets. Man, I'm sure gonna miss May's pork
5: dumplings. What do you think, Chester? Was this moita or an accidente?
1: Chester, the Butcher's pet goat and crime-solving partner, trotted up to the body and gave it a good lick. <laughs> oh, Chester,
5: stop it. I didn't kill her with my winsome good looks, you flirt. <laughs> I did get a haircut. I can't believe you noticed. It was just a little trim. <clears throat> Butcher. Oh, right. <laughs> well, anyhow. odd thing about May's body. The burn marks are consistent. From the top of a noggin, to the tippy's toe. I mean, she could have been standing in the exact spot where the fire started. But this... This feels different. This almost looks like she... Spontaneously combusted.
1: Curious. Earlier today, the wild man mentioned the Wailing Wharf- Nope! I was merely going to mention the Wailing Wharf- No need to say her name, okay? (laughs) We all know what it is. I just don't believe in
5: the supernatural, okay?
1: Then there's no harm in talking about her.
5: Listen. My ma used to tell me that story when I was a kid to scare me into being a good little butcher. She would say, Hey, get your dish to bed before you get set on fire by that weirdo lady. Classic Mama Butcher. So, you know, you better not say her name, just in case. Don't say her name, just in case.
1: The Butcher excused himself abruptly. Excuse me, abruptly.
5: Old McButcher had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on this farm he had a ghost. Ghost! No! I meant ghost! Ah, Chester! Chester!
1: Chester trotted oh, no, after no, him, no. shaking his Chester! head at me.
5: Singin the song ain't working this time! Ah.
1: <laughs> this obituary was proving more difficult than usual. Fenn seemed highly suspect, but there was something unexplainable about this case. I mean, obituary research. Could it really be that the wild man was right? I needed to find out more about the folktale of the Wailing Wharf Widow. Before heading out, I peeked inside the meat cooler. Yep, Charlotte was still in there. The wharf along Birdbiddle Lake has a single claim to fame. Crestfall's Fish Market, affectionately known as the Red Herring. There aren't any fish in Birdbiddle Lake, making the Red Herring somewhat misleading, but no one seems to mind. The market was alight with hubbub and hullabaloo, an attraction for every taste. Come on, come on! A shady sea captain was trying his best to convince shoppers to join him on a cryptic lake-faring quest.
5: I may have lost me legs, I may have lost me crew, but I ain't gonna lose you. Please? Anyone?
1: Yarr. Ah, yes! And who could forget Aster Kubo's roadkill roundup? I have fond memories as a child watching on in delight and horror, as pancaked squirrels, raccoons, and possums pranced and somersaulted by Aster's expert puppeteering. Ooh, hey, the one-eyed wombat is performing Hamlet with his own skull this season. What a treat. And of course... A staple of weekends here at the wharf, the Ballygo Backward Boys, who were, as they say, rocking and rolling. Thank you.
6: Thank you. Well, tickled me fancy. Is that why it is? The obituary rider. What a couple's massage for sore eyes. I haven't seen this fella since we jammed at Samuel Plunk's funeral. May he rest in peace. Watch this. One, two, three, four! He writes about death. Spooky, spooky death. He's not addicted to men
5: Not like my uncle Seth.
6: And I must confess. I gotta get it off my chest. He knows how to dress. To the night Somebody grab a lighter, this man's on fire. He's not for hire, the obituary rider. That's something.
1: Wow. I believe I am now the one tickled fancied. Thank you, Eugene. (laughs) The pleasure is all
6: mine. What's hot off the press these days?
1: Well, I'm working on May Lau's obituary.
6: Oh, real shame. You know, they've been very kind to us over the years, offering food when the tides were low, and even throwing fish in the lake when the tides were high to make it look like... There was something to catch in the first place. My heart goes out to Finn, and if there's anything we can do to help...
1: I believe there is something. What can you tell me about the Wailing Wharf Widow? (gasps) Oh,
6: yes. I see. You know, it's bad luck to talk about her around these parts. (laughs) Well, how could I resist indulging these fine folks in another little ditty? Oh, I was hoping you could just tell me. There was a lady about eight feet tall For most lovers, she couldn't care at all But there came a man by the name of Blake He dreamt of sailing Out on the lake And the lady Watched from the window For it's the story Of the Wailing Wharf Widow Oh, the Wailing Wailing Wharf Wailing Wharf Widow Wailing Wharf Widow There came a storm when lightning struck our dear sailor's ship was sunk oh how she wailed in the dead of night cursing the sky summoning that lightning strike he'd gone sailing now he was flailing and the woman She was wailing over the whale.
1: Excellent tune. Thank you. So, basically, the ghost of an eight-foot-tall woman goes around catching things on fire because she witnessed her lover being electrocuted on a tiny boat in the middle of the lake, the lake right behind me? Right on the nose. Huh. My first lover was a sailor. That man told me he was going on a voyage.
4: I'm going on a voyage
1: and he'd come back for me one day.
4: But I'll come back for you one day.
1: I love you. Anyway, thank you for your help. You have a killer dealer day now, you hear? I found myself walking away from the Ballygo Backward Boys, more puzzled than before. Certainly it couldn't be that an old, crestfallen legend was responsible for Maylaw's death. Yet, no matter where I turned, the Wailing Wharf Widow was around every corner. Perhaps someone acting exceptionally suspicious might know. Someone like Mia Jasper, who at that moment was sneaking down the alleyway behind Lao's Chinese cuisine, just as I had earlier that morning. And now, the condolences. That shady sea captain from the wharf sends his condolences. He says,
5: Yarr! Do ye ever think to ye self, Pickles, I sure am bored with all this technology and distracting social media at me fingertips. Well, now's your chance to throw convenience out the window and embark on an epic adventure with me. Together, we can uncover lost treasure sail the seven seas, and along the way, maybe just like, hang out and talk, you know? Yar, gimme a ring! 208-994-4022. That's 208-994-4022. I'd love to know Yi's favorite color.
1: How enticing, Captain. Lao's Chinese cuisine also sends their condolences. They say, oh, right. Never mind. They say nothing. They burn down. Thank you one and all. Condolences mean everything and nothing. As day dimmed to dusk, Mia's flashlight flickered inside the back office, like a firefly on cocaine. Are you lost? I said from the window. I love a good callback.
3: O.W., do you always have to appear at the most inconvenient times?
1: Death is never convenient. I flopped into the office in a single, mostly graceful leap.
3: What are you doing here?
1: I could ask you the same thing.
3: Well, I'm... uh...
1: You think Fen did it, don't you?
3: I just... look, I lost everything in that fire. My home, my bed, my collection of decapitated wrestling figures. I can't just move on without knowing what happened.
1: If you're their lawyer, why are you sneaking around?
3: I don't want to get caught.
1: You could just say you're taking inventory of May's property
3: but that's not what I'm doing.
1: Or you're searching for paperwork on any outstanding debts.
3: I, uh... Or
1: just say it's a part of the state-mandated probate process under Idaho statute. I'm
3: not a lawyer, okay? What? I didn't pass the bar exam. I wanted to figure out what happened, so... I don't know. I thought it'd be easier if I convinced Fen I could help. And... My family doesn't know I failed the exam. They all worked so hard. And when my sister became a lawyer, my parents were thrilled. I just thought this would be a chance to be something good, you know? I could pretend I was what they wanted me to be.
1: Pretend I was what
3: I wanted to be. Well, what I thought I wanted to be.
1: I'm sorry to hear that, Mia. I'm sure if you just told them.
3: They can never know. No one can know. Especially not Fen. We've known each other for a really long time and I really like her OW. But I, I don't know. I kind of like to make sure I'm not crushing on a murderer. Although that sounds kind of awesome now that I say that out loud.
1: I nodded. Sometimes it was easier to dream the world was a better place. came from outside the office. Time to hide. Time to investigate.
3: Ugh, why am I the only one on the same page as me?
1: I emerged into the kitchen. Ever so slightly, a pair of double doors were swinging back and forth, directing my attention to the staff quarters. I crept forward. Nothing could have prepared me for what was beyond those doors. Inside was... the most hideous art I have ever seen in my entire life. Crude charcoal sketches littered the room. They were portraits of... Eugene Portage? The Shady Sea Captain? and other patrons of the wharf, barely recognizable. Each drawing was accented with a red background as though engulfed in flames. And at the center, as though a shrine, was a portrait of Mei Lao.
3: Holy cannoli.
1: Holy cannoli was right. Might these appalling pieces of art be Fen's next victims? As though on cue, footsteps echoed through the kitchen. In one swift motion, Mia Combat rolled out a closed window.
3: Huh. Ah. Ooh.
1: I would have to take notes on her technique later. Before I could hide or turn myself into a perfect human sphere, a voice came from the doorway.
2: Most would consider it bad news to be visited by an obituary writer more than once.
1: Fenn entered the staff quarters. Her hand was in her cardigan pocket, clutching a concealed object in a threatening manner. Was it a dagger? A blunt instrument? A letter opener prepared to be used with ill intent? My nerves of steel wavered to nerves of aluminum foil wrapped around a warm baked potato. The baked potato of my confidence was beginning to turn lukewarm. Act casual, obituary writer, act casual. Your art is unique.
2: I enjoy human subjects.
1: Subjects as in victims, I thought, but I kept my lips sealed.
2: Something about the wrinkles around their lips when they smile, their weather-worn faces, the way they seem to glow.
1: Glow like when they catch fire, I thought. But still, I showed restraint. I eyed Fen's pocket with a wary glance.
2: My mother never understood.
1: I had a dream that wasn't hers. Dream as in killing her? Excuse me? You have to understand, dear reader, that one just sort of slipped out.
2: You think I killed my mother?
1: I think you wanted out of the family business. You were at odds with your mother so you killed her and burned the place down to run off with the insurance money. Fenn looked as though they were on the brink of snapping. With a flick of their wrist, they removed something from their pocket. I flinched. It was... A piece of charcoal?
2: The money isn't for running away. It's for staying here.
1: Fenn approached me then leaned over my shoulder and made a quick adjustment to the painting of her mother.
2: I wanted to make something for the people at the wharf, so I drew them. They've been so supportive of me over the years. My mother thought this was all a waste of time. We didn't always understand each other. I just didn't want to disappoint her.
1: I was so caught up. In the thrill of hunting for a fresh murderer, I had forgotten something incredibly important. I, too, knew what it was like to lose someone. So if you didn't murder May, then who did? I don't know. What started the fire? I don't know. Fen, who is that in the painting? My mother. No behind her.
2: Oh, uh, that's... that's my grandmother. She was gone before I was even born. My mom said she went a little bonkers and disappeared.
1: How tall was your grandmother?
2: Tall. Like, really tall. Eight foot something. Sometimes I feel like I still see her at night. ...watching over me.
1: The lights fizzled off. The room was lit only by the glimmer of lanterns flickering down on the wharf. A long, crouched shadow emerged from the floor... ...then vanished.
0: (laughs) Hello?
4: <laughs> Grandmother?
2: I I thought you were dead.
0: <laughs> I am dead. I have been in the walls. I I, I don't understand. I passed away many, many years ago. Uh, But I didn't want to miss my daughter and grandchild growing up.
1: Are you the Wailing Wharf Widow?
0: Aye, rumors and tall tales. People just clumsy. No, I just like to be here with my family. (laughs) In the world. You were here? What happened to my mother? <sighs> you two always fought so much, never seeing eye to eye, so much yelling. May never understood you, but I saw her try. She'd stared so long at your drawings, and the night she died, she was making your favorite zhao shi, sweet pork dumplings. Oh,
2: we argued that night, she said all I did was disappoint her.
0: She wanted to apologize, in her own way, but when she lit the stove, a gas pipe burst and everything went up in flames.
1: So May wasn't murdered, it was an accident.
0: Who knows why these things happen? Life is a mystery. Even after death. I wish I could have stopped it. (sighs) I suppose it was her time.
2: But I don't want it to be her time. You're here, aren't you? You stayed. Why isn't my mom here?
0: I don't know. Why did she... I don't know. (laughs) Hey, 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 hey. You are so strong. And look at all your beautiful art. You will be okay, Fun Fun. And your phantom Nine Nai will be around more often from now on. I promise. That's
2: creepy, but reassuring. <laughs> Thank you, Nai, Nai. Oh. oh
0: Just not tonight. I have a date with a wild man in the dark
5: woods. Yoo-hoo! I'm ready to bounce, my ethereal dumpling. Oh, Oh, so handsome.
0: So hairy. (laughs) BRB.
1: And with that, the wild man jumped into the air and curled into a perfect sphere. Grandma Lau caught him with one hand and bounced him like a basketball down the wharf at rapid speeds toward the dark woods. (laughs) Just as they disappeared from sight, Mia Jasper clambered in through the window. Ugh.
3: Sorry about that. What'd I miss?
1: We met the Wailing Wharf Widow.
3: Yeah, right.
1: I shrugged. What else could be said of an eight-foot tall tail and her spherical wild lover?
3: Are you okay, Fen?
1: Fen didn't reply. They were fixated on the charcoal drawing of their mother.
3: Let's go for a walk. It's hard, losing someone, especially when you don't expect it.
2: Yeah, I wasn't ready.
3: I don't think we're ever ready.
2: It's just scary knowing it could happen to anyone at any time. Part of me felt like my mom was just going to be around forever. And then suddenly she wasn't. What am I supposed to do with that? Honestly,
3: I do think it's a load of crap when people say it gets easier. It doesn't. But I guess it can get bearable. When you have people who care about you. You have these weirdos on the wharf... And you got me,
2: okay? Okay. I think I'm gonna restore the restaurant. It's what my mom would have wanted. But I'm also gonna do my own thing. I think she would have wanted that too, eventually. Lao's Chinese cuisine and postmodern art gallery. A little bit of me, a little bit of her. That's what it'll be.
3: I think that sounds awesome, Fen. Listen, um, I have to tell you something. I just don't think I can lie to you anymore.
2: You're not a lawyer. How did you- You're a really bad liar. And I heard you and O.W. talking through the walls. You guys are not subtle. Oh, you heard that? How much did you- If you blush anymore, your face is gonna explode. (laughs) It's okay, Mia, I like you too. And you aren't crushing on a murderer, I promise. Just be patient with me, okay? Totally,
3: yeah, patience is a thing I can
2: do. You gotta calm down, girl. (laughs) Oh shit, sorry.
1: A few days later, the slapper would be called in to confirm Mei Lao's death. But the second her hand struck Mei's face, she collapsed into a pile of ash. So that pretty much cleared that up. But Mei would always remain intact in Fen's mind. We care so much about the opinions of the dead. Though they are no longer with us, their voices live on in our heads. But the thing is, it isn't really their voice. It's our own, masked behind the facade of our loved ones, motivated by our insecurities. You should remember them and honor them, but you should also live your life with good intentions and try your best not to cause any disasters. And yet, as I returned to my apartment that night, greeted by my flesh-craving feline companions. I realized I was guilty of the exact same thing. What would Charlotte think of me? Of what I've done? Of what I've become? Desperately searching for what I've lost, just like she did. Searching out of a lack of answers. She disappeared, ran away, I don't know why. Fenn's words echoed in my mind.
2: I don't want it to be her time. You're here, aren't you? You stayed. Why isn't my mom here?
1: Why isn't Charlotte here? Why didn't she stay? Her heart beat gently, like a tiny drum. My heart beat in rhythm. This has been the obituary of Mei Lao.
4: This has been Death by Dying. Created by Evan Gulak and Nico Gerentis. Featuring the voices of Evan Gulak as the obituary writer, Erica Ishii as Fen Lau, Iridian Fierro as Mia Jasper, Nico Gerentis as the wild man, the Butcher, Chester the Goat, the Shady Sea Captain, and O.W.'s First Lover. Noah Baldwin as Eugene Portage, and Su Ling Chan as Grandma Lau. Additional voices provided by the DePaul BFA4 Class of 2023. Sensitivity reader, Kiana Shaw. Music composed by Nico Gerentis, Stephen O'Brien, Migfis 20 Eric M. Music, and Tyops. The obituary writer's ditty was arranged by Nico Jarentis and sung by Noah Baldwin and Nico Jarentis with lyrics by Evan Gulak and Nico Jarentis. The Wailing Wharf Widow was arranged and sung by Noah Baldwin with lyrics by Evan Gulak and Nico Jarentis. Portions of this episode were recorded at the Foxhole Chicago by studio engineer Dave Langley. A very special thanks to our featured patrons Astor Kubo and Hay, and our Indiegogo associate producers, Louis Resto, Samerial Koster, Robert Gulak, Jordan Perkle, and Angel Acevedo. And lest we forget our eternal gratitude to Matthew Cunningham and George Zar. If any of you ethereal dumplings would like to send their condolences, comments, hopes, fears, or dreams, you can contact The Obituary Writer personally at TheObituaryWriter at gmail.com or follow us on social media at DeathByDyingPod. If you like what you hear, consider becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon and get access to bonus content, bloopers, messages from the Button-Eyed Raven, and more. Visit Patreon.com DeathByDyingPod or follow the link in the description. And remember, this podcast does not condone turning into a perfect human sphere for sport or leisure. With that said, a regulation basketball is 29.5 inches in circumference and inflated to around 7.5 to 8.5 pounds per square inch. Please measure twice and inflate yourself once before attempting to bounce with the ethereal elderly.
0: The
2: Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers
0: flourish. It's the last days of summer, 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Meemaw says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken
5: coops clean?
6: Please, Father, I'll be good. (laughs) Ah! Oh, God!
5: (laughs) Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no, I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy.
0: Exploring their feelings.
5: Let's go over to the
3: apple
0: tree. Gosh, <laughs> okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old barnaker house?
6: Howling house? Why?
0: <laughs> now, a boy scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb
6: to the hunger of Howling House? Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. To die tonight. What is that
5: thing? <laughs>
0: is this the witch's library i'm gonna kill you not tonight
5: roger make him stop no you watch run away little ones oh, <laughs> i'm so hungry listen to
3: the
0: call of cthulhu mystery programs the award-winning season night at howling house the complete story available everywhere you listen to podcasts And at
5: CthulhuMystery.com. All the the outs and free. All the outs and free.